From the depths of our nightmares to the haunting of the witching hour. We present to you Crazy Hexy Ghoul. I'm Kelly. And I'm Arlo. So come and join us as we obsess over ghosties and shit. Did you just say ghosties and shit? Hell yeah, I did. You guys, shit's about to get real. Welcome back, ghosties. I'm Kelly. And I'm Arlo. And thank you guys for coming back. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, Kelly? I am very tired and hungover. Hungover. Mm. I don't miss those days. I don't miss hungover days. And Arlo can't handle that. I have one drink and oh god, my fucking head hurts the next day. Well, I am almost 30 and I'm starting to feel it. What ever. <laughs> I got my hands in a W. Remember how I used to do the 90s? Whatever, mom. Even with the fingers. We all know you love fingers. <laughs> well, we all know I love pointing fingers because I've pointed my finger at you several times today. Speaking about pointing fingers, whenever I'm at work, I realize when I'm listening to music, I do finger guns. <laughs> That's how you're keeping the beat. You got to do them finger guns. I just do 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 do. <laughs> We're going to need to take a video of that so we can show our audience. No one's seeing me. Yeah, I I am. (laughs) I can see you. You guys, I'm going to vouch that it looks weird, but oddly adorable. Not adorable when I'm at work and I'm just walking through the hall doing this. (laughs) (laughs) Who are you pointing at? It ain't me. (laughs) (laughs) It's time to watch fall Halloween, not Halloween movies. Next episode, I am going to give you another list of movies that fall into that category. Literally fall into that category. All right. And music. We should do a music one, too. Yeah. Yeah. I love it so much. I feel like Spotify is one of the best streaming apps. And no, this is not a paid paid sponsorship (laughs) from Spotify. That would be really freaking cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Spotify and Reese's, if y'all out there listening to this, please sponsor us. We need some monies. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. You got that premium membership? Sure I can't do. Speak we today. have the family plan. On that note, let's tell the people what we're going to talk about today. Today, we have a very special episode. We were very fortunate to be able to do an interview with a mm-hmm. wonderful person who yes. does ghost tours. Yeah. So Terry French, she's pretty well known around Tulsa for being the first person to ever uh, start ghost tours. So we had the opportunity to interview her. And here is that interview. Hi, and welcome to the show. Hello. So it's quite an honor to have you here today because, you know, Kelly and I are both Tulsa born natives and we love all the spooky stuff. So we know who you are (laughs) and we know all about the tours. Can you tell us how you got into the world of ghost touring? Well, um, I actually worked at a place that was haunted and I've always kind of been into this stuff. I grew up, you know, watching all kinds of spooky stuff. As I got older and I was working at a place that was haunted, it's a crazy story. Um, I got a picture that really looked like an apparition and I kind of went to the internet to see if what I was seeing on this picture could possibly be true. I actually sent it to some people and I think it was California or something. And they were like, you, you actually got an apparition on film. And so I was intrigued from there. And I started the very first paranormal research team in Oklahoma. It's called PIT, the Paranormal Investigation Team of Tulsa. 
And um, right when we started, a bunch of other teams were popping up at the same time. So it was really interesting because it wasn't on TV yet. You know, it wasn't a popular thing to do. So there was just a few of us here in Oklahoma and we kind of collaborated together and did investigations for quite a long time. And then I was, I think about 2002, a girlfriend of mine just said, you know, you've learned so much about the history of ghost stories and hauntings of Tulsa. You should do a ghost tour. And I said, you know what? That sounds like fun. So believe it or not, um, I threw it out on social media, but it wasn't Facebook. It was MySpace. Mm -hmm. Oh, we know MySpace. <laughs> yeah. That's how long ago it was. Um, it was in Facebook days. So yeah, I filled up a trolley, took people around, told them the history and hauntings. And then it just kind of blew up from there. People were like, when's the next one? When's the next one? And I had no intentions of doing anymore. I was just going to do one tour on Halloween that year. And um, this year I'm celebrating 20 years. So I'm pretty proud hey. of that. Oh, wow. That's yeah. awesome. That is pretty awesome. So can you tell us that place where uh, you saw, you took the photo with the apparition? Like, are you allowed to tell us? No, I honestly can't disclose the location. Can I ask, I still work is it in Tulsa? It, yes, it is. Okay. And it's, um, it's actually an apartment complex because I've been in property management almost 30 years. I'm actually writing my fourth book called Complex Issues, Confessions of a Property Manager. So there will be a chapter about hauntings and things like that of haunted apartments. That's it, dope. And it will be in there. So um, pretty crazy story about a murder that happened in the 80s. So um, a, a young lady that actually haunted the clubhouse and several people even to this day still have things happening in that clubhouse and they'll call me and go terry tell me the story <laughs> i want to know what happened there years ago so wow it's pretty interesting yeah i bet i've lived there <laughs> i've lived a lot of places in tulsa uh several that i truly believe are haunted myself so it would be interesting to know but yeah that's kind of what got me started it was um i want to say it kind of reignited my childhood uh, fascination with spooks and hauntings and things like that. Did you ever read the ghost bump stories? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. the, the whole series? <laughs> Not the whole series though. I was never much of a reader. It's funny because I'm an author, but I'm never much of a reader. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't read much, but um, I really liked, you know, the Alfred Hitchcock and mm -hmm. I'm a little bit older. So <laughs> that's kind of what I grew up watching. Do you have any funny stories about when you've um, given tours? Um, not so much on the tours, but we did on an investigation one time. We were actually investigating the Brady Theater and we were on the stage. It was about two or three in the morning, about two in the morning, I want to say. And we were taking a break on the stage and we we're kind of, you know, replenishing our tapes and batteries, grabbing a snack, and we were getting ready to investigate the place again. And we heard what sounded like Italian tenor music, which if you know anything about that place, it's supposed to be haunted by the ghost of Enrico Caruso. It was a very famous Italian tenor. And um, so we're thinking we're hearing him singing to us, you know, the holy grail of investigating this place. We're hoping we're getting this on film and we're getting our tapes and batteries. We're pressing record and we're running upstairs saying, sing to us, Enrico, sing. You know, we're like so excited. And we get upstairs and find that the staff left a vent open and it was just the Mexican restaurant across the street with their music. <laughs> What a letdown. Oh it was. It was so horrible. Um, it, was, it was, you know, looking back on it now, it was hilarious because we really thought Enrico was singing to us and we were getting something good. 
Nope. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we actually covered that story. Kelly did a few episodes ago. So we know all about them. Yeah. And it's super cool. Fun okay, story. So we talked about your funniest uh, story. What is your creepiest story? Um, I would probably have to say the Gilcrease. Um, we were mm. one of the only teams ever allowed to investigate in there. And we were chased out of there um, in the wee hours of the morning by uh, disembodied voices. <gasps> and it was two men that were very angry and mad. And it wasn't just myself. It was like three other people that witnessed it. You know, the team was only like six people and half of us experienced this very, uh, I hate to say Gilcrease is negative because he's not, but very heavy get out of my house. And we did. And um, we had that experience on tours as well. It's nice to take tours up there. I can't right now because it's all closed off. Yeah, they're redoing the whole museum. The old museum's gone which I think is going to make the place even more haunted. If you ask me, <laughs> uh, I can't wait to get back, but um, yeah, we've had really kind of crazy experiences like that on tours as well, where people are very uncomfortable. We had people get back on the bus. We've had people um, see things, hear things. So it, you know, they've had quite a few startling experiences out there at Gilcrease. That's interesting because that's my next question. <laughs> Can you tell us about the Gilcrease house and its hauntings and as, as much as you could tell us. Well, yeah. And there really honestly isn't any crazy weird history associated with it. You would think, you know, would cause a haunting. Um, it was built by a gentleman named Flowers Nelson. And he was an attorney here in Tulsa back in 1913. And he was building it for him and his beloved fiance, Carrie, somewhere for them to live after they wed. And unfortunately, Carrie died a very tragic, sudden death during the construction of the home. And Flowers could not bear to live there without her. So he, you know, they said Thomas Gilcrease just happened to be driving by one day, fell in love with the native sandstone because it was made out of sandstone taken right out of the Gilcrease Hills, which could result for the haunting as well because sandstone does contain energy. Um, so, you know, electromagnetic energy. So that's what they just theories there. But um, they say he was driving by, fell in love with the native sandstone of the house, walked up, made an offer and bought it that day. So and then he's been there ever since. He lived there with two of his wives and he died in that house in, I think it was 1963, of a heart attack. So nothing really crazy tragic ever happened around that house or in that house. There could be something associated with the land mm -hmm. prior to statehood and what have you. But as far as anything with him, I think, yeah, he's the one that's most cited there. So I just think he just loved it. It was his blood, sweat and tears. And mm -hmm. I think he just likes to come back and enjoy it. That makes sense. That was his home. Yeah, I think it's an intelligent haunting over there for sure. We actually got an EVP, which is electronic voice phenomenon. So um, we got an EVP of a gentleman and we were, we kept hearing noises in the next room. So we'd go in there, we heard a noise in the next room. We'd go in there. We heard a noise in the next room. And finally oh, I said out loud. On a goose chase. Yeah. I, and then I said, we're not trying to chase you, which I was totally lying. That's exactly what we were doing. <laughs> And a man's voice comes over the recorder and goes, I don't care, you know, really angry. And um, the voice was actually analyzed by some professionals and they said it was very similar to Thomas Gilcrease's voice. Wow. So it was trippy. So I think it is an intelligent haunting. Um, and one of my tours, lady went back there after the tour and was doing some recordings and <laughs> she got a man on her recording saying I'm tired of this shit and <laughs> yeah and I'm telling you we were chased out of there when we investigated I think he's like a grumpy old man get off my lawn type of ghost personally but that sounds like I the most know. old man Oklahoma thing right to say to <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 
<laughs> it would be interesting to go uh, tour it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can do that for sure. I was almost given permission by the Gilcrease Foundation to run tours out of that house. <laughs> Right before TU took it over <laughs> and they were privately funded at that time. And I was talking with some of the higher ups. They love the idea. They were like worried about, you know, insurance and liabilities and things like that. And we were discussing that at that time. And then TU ended up taking it over and TU is like, we don't need your money. Bye-bye. So I didn't get to do that. Oh, that's disappointing. That would have been really It cool. was. It would have been a cool tour. Can you talk to us about the Hex House? I have passed it so many times. Well, the slab that it is now. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us some of the history on that? Well, yeah, that starts with Caroline Smith. And she actually um, lived in Muskogee with her husband. And they moved to Tulsa after she had two miscarriages. And um, shortly after moving to Tulsa, it was during the Depression, they, uh, she married Faye H. Smith was his name, and they found him down on Riverside Drive with a single gunshot wound to the head. Um, however, <laughs> he used a long-barreled shotgun and had to use a stick to pull the trigger. Oh, my gosh. But they still ruled, ruled it a suicide. Um, Carolyn got a lot of insurance money from that. And after that, um, she was going back and forth. She was talking to people that she went to, she went to the church of Scientology. So she was talking to people there and she had revealed to them that she was going back and forth between St. Louis, taking care of her father and that she needed to move him here, but she didn't have the means to do that at that time. And next thing you know, dad's dead and she gets a large insurance policy. Next thing you know, she moves into, she's living in that house there at 10 East 21st street. And she, runs into a woman named Willetta Horner and they strike up a conversation and Willetta claims to be, you know, uh, sick of her home and, you know, having an unhappy life. So Caroline invited her to come live with her. And then she was, I think that was at the grocery store. And then at the church of Scientology, she met another woman and the other woman that she met, she talked her into becoming a roommate as well. So what appeared to be the three women as roommates turned out to be something very different because during the war, they were rationing items. And of course, you had to go to the local school to uh, fill out forms to get your rations. And Carol Ann went down there and she put not only the name of her, but she put the name of her daughter, which if you remember, I said she had two miscarriages. So she didn't have any children. The children uh, that went to that school knew she didn't have any kids and kind of alerted the teachers and authorities that she was doing something wrong or false. And of course, this alerted the police and they got a search warrant. And when they got a search warrant to go, well, I I should back up for a minute. Uh, At first, they started uh, interviewing the neighbors, asking questions. And this was, again, back in the 40s. And the neighbors were talking about how creepy they were and how they were doing midnight burials of caskets in the backyard. So that's what made the police get the search warrants. They're like, what? (laughs) Caskets? What are you talking about? So they got a search warrant, went in there. They found the two women in the basement, very scantily dressed, uh, sleeping on egg crates, no pillows or blankets. And they also found um, over 200 pairs of shoes and enough makeup, they said, to fill up an entire drugstore, which at a time when things were rationed, she should not have that much. And um, the women claimed that they were hypnotized and mesmerized by Carol Ann to go out and work and bring home their money, uh, bring home their pay and give it to her. And so she could live a very lavish lifestyle off of these women. And then she kind of banned them to the basement after that. 
and the women claim that they were hexed, which is how, well, they claim they were, that witchcraft was at play. And that's kind of how the house got the nickname through, you know, society <laughs> called yeah. it the hex house because of that. So Caroline Smith did go to jail. And then once she was free for kidnapping and something else. And then once she was free, she fled Tulsa. <laughs> Very strange story at that time. For sure. And then they actually did dig up the backyard and there was a casket. Um, it turned out to contain the contents of her dog, Bonbon. So it wasn't, thankfully, a person. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah. There's all kinds. Of, and the story for that is actually, that's just the rundown, kind of watered down version. It goes, it's pretty elaborate because um, I actually got access to the files at the library. It's really funny because I was going through, I was going there every day. Someone had told me about it. Actually, the actors contacted me because they um, they used to have that lot. And they said when they would park on it, cars would move. Cars would um, come out and their windshield wipers would be running. Their stereos full blast. No keys in the ignition. So they asked me, have you ever heard of a haunted lot? And I said, not really. <laughs> Which prompted <laughs> me to look up what was going on. Yeah. And when they raised the house and when they got rid of the house back in the 70s, they actually filled in the basement where those women were held captive for like nine years. Um, they filled in the basement with sand. So that basement's actually still down there. Yeah. I'm not sure if that could be one of the reasons why the place is haunted. The and, lot is supposedly haunted. And if you, I don't know if you noticed, but there's been a for sale sign yes. in that for about 30 years. That's what I was just going to say. Every time I drive by, I always see that for sale sign. I'm like, mm -hmm. no one's going to buy it. Like, no they need to just give it to me. I'm the only one that would really <laughs> yeah. want it. Exactly. Yeah. I'd be okay coming back from a tour with my customer's cars moved. I'm like, hey, yeah, that's what you get. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, the Hex House is a very weird story. Like I said, when I got the files for it at the, from the library, um, I was going up there every day, going through Microfish and the librarian walked up to me and she goes, can I ask why you've been here so much? And I was like, yeah, I'm looking for information on the Hex House. And she said, honey, why didn't you say something? And she pulls out this big file full of all of the newspaper articles that I had been looking up on Microfish that took me forever. So I was able to copy all of those and I left her the file and I was able to learn a lot more about it. I mean, she had a nephew that was actually pouring hot water on their neighbor next doors, all kinds of weird oh. things that happened um, over there. And Caroline was definitely just a very strange individual. Yeah. I want to look at those files. Uh -huh. <laughs> I have. Um, yeah, I, I still have them and I need to get them to the library because I was told that someone took off with that file. So they don't even have them anymore. And I need to oh. dig it out of my research stuff and make copies for them. And um, if I find it, I'm well, if you email me, I'm happy to send them to you. Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah that'd be great. Um, do they have any idea who took these files? No. Oh, I feel somewhat responsible because I'm the one that has been telling people about it on my tours for the last 20 years, you know, and I feel like somebody was like, I want to know more about this and yeah. went up there and just, instead of making copies, took the thing. So that's, that's wrong. Yeah. Is and actually that's where that haunted attraction came from. The, the guys that actually started the Hex House here in Tulsa, haunted attraction they do at Halloween, mm -hmm. the two guys that started it, started it in the vacant building next to the Canes Ballroom. Back then it was vacant. And they invited me and my team um, because we gave them the inspiration because they had been on my tour and heard, heard about the story. Mm -hmm. And so they created a haunted house 
next to the canes when those where empire is now it was all vacant at that time it was really cool it was really fun and now they recently sold it to or not recently it's been several years but they sold it to the other guy and that's why it's gotten so big that other guy really blew it up their haunted attraction really doesn't have anything to do with the history so yeah there's a thrift store right by the hex house and i see it every week because i i like to thrift a lot so oh yeah I'm always i'm always over there is there any place in Tulsa where you just would never give a like haunted tour? You think it might be too haunted or? Insane? There are some touchy subjects, you know what I mean? That, mm-hmm. you know, I've never wanted to take people over by the Bever house here in Broken Arrow, you know, where that mur- mass oh, murder yeah. happened. Um, oh, yeah. the stuff like that is not. Yeah. Yeah, you you lack tact if you bring that kind of stuff. So I usually try to stick with all the old timey stuff, the stuff that happened back in the 20s, 30s and 40s. It doesn't really have much relevance today. Um, I do on my Broken Arrow tour, talk about the, the murder that happened over at Apple Creek Apartments. And that was back in, I think, 2002. You guys hear about that one? No, please tell us. So a kid, uh, cannot think of his name at the moment, but it's back in 02, he called the Broken Arrow Police Department about 520 in the morning and said, you guys need to come over here. And when they asked him why, he said he decapitated both of his parents. <gasps> I Okay, I vaguely remember this. And then the urban legend behind it says that when the cops got there, that he was out in the parking lot playing soccer with their heads. <gasps> oh, Lord. my God. <laughs> Which I, I know that one. Yeah, that one's been around for a little while. And I was like, I don't know if I believe that. And I've tried asking different Broken Arrow police officers time here and there, but nobody knows. So, yeah. Wow. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, there really isn't any place I don't think I wouldn't investigate unless it was something, like I said, that was recent. And I even, I don't even, even though uh, I talk about the, the murder that happened at that property I managed. Um, and I talk about that on some tours and stuff. And I don't sometimes even uncomfortable talking about that. When I've talked about it on tours, only three times in 20 years has someone walked up to me and knew the victim's name. Hmm. And I've, I've always been scared to death that her parents are going to be on one of my tours and hear it because the, the, the details of that murder are extremely gruesome and stuff that was not made known to the public. So when I tell the story and people's eyes get big, then I know they knew who the victim was. And, and like I said, it's happened three times in these 20 years. And one time um, it was a guy and he said that his roommate dated her in college. That's how he knew her. Another time said that they worked with her. And then another time when I was on my uh, serial killers, murder and mayhem tour, uh, a lady walked up at the very end of the tour and said, is her name blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yes, how did you know? And that was the first time that anybody ever said her name to me. Cause I never tell the victim's name just out of respect for her and the family. And, uh, and I said, how did you know? And the girl was like, she was my best friend. I know. I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I said, I hope you don't mind that I'm telling her story. And they're like, no, we love it. We hope that you continue to do so so that we, we want justice for her murder. And I said, where are her parents? Because I'm so scared that they're going to come on the tour. I really was. And they told me that they live in Joplin. They probably never come on this because they're pretty religious. I was like, good. Okay. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, I mean, this, this woman was cut up. I mean, and it was just ter- horrific. And so it, especially for the time period, it was back in the 80s. It was like one of the bloodiest, most horrific murders in Tulsa at that time. So oh, wow. yeah, it's just, I sometimes feel guilty even talking about that. And that happened in the 80s. So yeah. I'm really trying to be real careful. Can you tell us about Brookside? Is there, are there any like ghosty things on Brookside? 
Um, so on Brickside, I haven't run into much there at all. I did take tours down there at one time, but we talked more about Riverside because there's like hidden Spanish gold along the banks of Riverside, supposedly. Uh, Yeah. I have had a couple of people tell me weird things like I've had tattoos done at Brookside Tattoo Mm -hmm. and Jonathan, the owner there, said that there's been all kinds of weird things that's happened, you know, his studio there. Uh, And it's a very old building, too. And oh, I cannot remember the bar that just closed. And, and um, every time I went in there, I got heebie-jeebies myself. Is it the Crow Creek Tavern? Yes, yes. Yes, that place, massive energy. Yeah, and I have had people tell me that, you know, the people that work there say they've had weird things happen. So I believe that place was. I really didn't do much down on Brookside, though, other than, you know, what was along Riverside and that, the ones I mentioned. Um, I live really close to Riverside and our house is very haunted is it (laughs) yes and I always wanted to know so I've tried to look at some of the history of our apartment and I can't find anything but I know somebody died there Mm -hmm. I can just all the stuff that we see all the time and it's not just me it's my partner and my oldest daughter has seen some stuff too so Mm -hmm. it's pretty validating that all three of us are able to experience these things so well and the problem with apartments is it's private property so they don't have to disclose the information even if it did you know so if there was something that happened they don't um i know when you buy a house they do if something crazy happened they have to disclose it but private property they don't but yeah there's a lot of energy in apartments (laughs) you have so many different people living in and out of there over the years and for sure So I was going to ask you if you've had any celebrities on any of your tours before. Um, no, but I, uh, the closest I think I've got, you know, I've had mayors, city, mm-hmm. you know, council people, mayors, um, local celebrities and, uh, David Cook. Cause so I did a private event for Peter Mayo that owns the Brady. Um, and he had an event there and I think it was somebody in his family and they actually had David Cook from American Idol performing and so I got to hang out with him and give him my book and show him a ghost you know kind of give him a a little impromptu ghost tour at the Brady Theater was pretty fun oh that's cool yeah Yeah, that's did he win American Idol was I'm not sure he won I think he did win I think he was I think you're right interesting I remember voting for him I used to watch it back then (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that's probably the closest I actually have had people contact me asking for private tours for actors but they wouldn't tell me who they were private tour for an actor that was in town you know and this that and the other and i was like sure you know but i never did hear back from them so i don't even know who it was at the moment i wanted to say patrick swayze (laughs) that's not it okay first Uh, of all patrick swayze is hot yes he is we're gonna watch ghost soon i watch ghost all the time i love ghost crazy hair and i can't think of his name but he's from here is it gary Busey? yes thank you yes (laughs) okay Yeah. I'm just joking. I don't know who it was, but we'll we'll edit that out. I know that in Messenger you we were talking about the cave house. Mm -hmm. Could we talk about it? If we if we if you want to, yes. I mean, we don't we want to be respectful of your friend. Sure. But yeah, um, I can just tell you what our experiences were. And it's got really cool history from that place. And if you know, it used to be a speakeasy. Mm-hmm. Chicken restaurants back in the day were code for speakeasy. So if you were driving down the road and saw a sign for chicken restaurant, mom and dad knew they could get a drink. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, um, and that's kind of one of the reasons why the old May rooms downtown, the old is now called Red Light Chicken because it was Red Light District. Chicken was 
speakeasy. So that's downtown, but that's another story. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that place used to be a speakeasy. They said that there was a door next to the fireplace. And if you had the password, you'd go through that door down some stairs around a corner, end up in a great big ballroom. And the ballroom is a place where people used to get alcohol during, you know, prohibition. And uh, a lot of the outlaws that would come through Tulsa, mom, Paul Barker and the rest would mm-hmm. drink there because in that ballroom at the very back was a door that led to some underground tunnels, led to some houses up on the hill. And they said that it was, uh, you know, the, the outlaws would come in and they'd sit at that very back table next to that door so that if the law came in, they could make a quick getaway. And, um, you know, it's since been walled off because it was years before Linda, the current owner bought it, they had come in and told the gentleman that was living there that if he didn't wall it off, they were going to condemn the place. He didn't have the money to wall it off. He didn't know what he was going to do. And he was looking at this pillar in the middle of the living room. And if you go there and tour it today, you can see the round circle on the ceiling where the pillar used to be. But he was looking at that pillar thinking what a, it was right smack in the middle and he didn't like it. So he knocked it down and inside of it, it was full of silver coins that Whoa. he didn't know were there. Yeah. So that gave him the money to wall it all off and do, you know, so that he didn't have to condemn the building. Mm-hmm. She took it over later in the early nineties, I believe. And when she took it over, you know, she's since made it like her little playhouse. It's really cool. When she first took it over, she was having a lot of issues and she was calling us because she wanted us to investigate. She said she felt like she was being pushed, like something was pushing her, making her fall down. Um, She's had, you know, weird noises, things like that. There's been all kinds of strange things. One of the things she told us was uh, right after buying it, one of her girlfriends called her and said, Linda, what did you do with the curtains? That look horrible. And Linda's like, "Uh, I have no idea what you're talking about. And she said, those curtains look disgusting. You need to take them down. They look like rags. And she goes, I didn't put any curtains up. What are you talking about? So she goes running over to the, to the cave house. When she gets inside, she notices that upstairs in, in the windows are the rags that she uses to clean the place with. She had a bag, a Walmart bag full of old rags that she would keep in a corner, you know, and get it out when she needed to clean. And all of those rags have been taken out of the bag and hung up um, much like what they used to call the rag lady used to do back in the day. So there was a woman that lived there back in the day that they referred to her name was Ella Walker and they referred to her as a rag lady. So there's been some pretty weird things that have happened there. And, and yeah. Ella actually died inside the house. You know, she's had a lot of weird things. She had um, keys would come up missing with no explanation. And then they would spend hours. She had an interview. She had a guy over there with home and garden magazine or one of those places doing an interview with her. And he set his keys down right in the table next to him. When he got up to leave, they were gone. And they searched and searched and searched and searched. Couldn't find him. Couldn't find him. Couldn't find him. He was on the phone with his wife getting ready to have her, you know, FedEx a pair, you know, overnight or something like that. And they walked back in the living room and there they were right oh, next to wow. table where he had put them in the originally. So she said after that, she got a little key hook and she keeps it right next to the front door. So every time she walks in, she puts the keys there in this way. There's no way. And, and they've even come up missing from there. Wow. Um, that one she referred to as the key lady. And she actually put up a tree in the house full of keys to appease the keys, <laughs> to appease the key lady. So if you go in there, you'll see there's a literal tree and she's got hundreds of keys hanging from it. Pretty cool looking. And she said, since that, since she put that tree in and hung those keys up, she has not had no trouble with keys coming up missing. So um, one of our, pretty crazy, right? One of the tours we had there one time we were in the cave house and um, 
I would bring everybody in. I would introduce Linda. And then she would start telling them the history of the house and some of the weird things that have happened to her while she's owned it. While she was talking behind me and I wasn't moving, I was, I always let everybody pile in. It's a small place. So I let everybody pile in and then I stand at the door. And this time I didn't have a full bus, I think, or something, because there was room for me to like move away from the door. So I went to the left of the door and stood in front of this table. On that table was an antique glass bottle. And as she's telling stories, it just literally whips across the the room and breaks. (laughs) No one around it. That freaked everybody out. And it was in a few months, a few nights later, I've had a tour in there again and Linda's talking and uh, there's an owl that was above her on like a ledge. And that owl literally moved forward and fell down on top of her while she was talking to my tour group. She said that she was feeling the presence of her dad that day. And her dad's the one that gave her that owl. <laughs> so Aww. yeah, she felt like it, that, that was all uh, that would, that's what that meant. But anyway, yeah. on tours, we've had a couple of very crazy, weird things happen. And so I did ask her if we could last year, um, if we could bring the tours back in, cause I like to give my clients a break from us <laughs> trampling in their, their locations, you know, and I change it up every few years. And she said that she didn't want any, you know, ghost stuff in there anymore that she felt like somebody's bringing negative energy when it has to do with ghost tours. And she's not real fond of that. And she's had some scary experiences there lately, which we haven't been there in years. Uh, and that she's afraid that she's, that bringing in a ghost tour is going to wake something up that's even meaner. So she's very, she's she's been praying on it. She's been, you know, having it blessed and all kinds of things. So she's kind of concerned with some energy that's been in that house lately. And that's why she didn't want us to come back in. I mean, that's totally understandable though. For sure. For sure. So do you know anything about the Fox hotel downtown? Hotel Fox built 1906. It's a cool Mm -hmm. one. Yeah, you can't find much of it about it in records. Um, The reason for that is Mr. Fox uh, and Mr. Brady were rival enemies and Mm -hmm. they actually had a knockdown drag out fist fight right in front of the Hotel Fox. Mm -hmm. And because Brady owned most of the city, he was able to keep Fox out of a lot of publications. So that's why you don't even, it's almost like the place never existed. But it was a first-class hotel and it was considered first-class because it actually had a bathroom at the end of the hallway shared that everyone could share and it had running water. Mm-hmm. So back then that was definitely considered a luxury. And later on, it turned into a brothel. It was run by a woman named Olivia Moore. And they said she was not a very nice person, but she could hold a really good party in her late night gambling, drinking, drugs, prostitution, mm-hmm. all that. Yeah. Uh, got to be a little bit too much for the landlord and he booted her out. And they say she haunts the building mad at her evictions Uh, they've had some pretty crazy weird experiences in there and i talk about that one on my haunted pub crawl i used to actually work at the tavern and i have several experiences Um, i was grabbed in the cooler when i was reaching to put something away i felt someone grab my booty and one morning i'd come in because i was a, a i was a prep chef there for a while and one morning i was putting my coat on And I happened to be in the bathroom and it sounded like there was a party going on outside the door. Like my coworkers had come in and were making a lot of noise. I had gone into one of the stalls and the other chef who was there with me that day, I thought she'd come in before me because I heard somebody in the stall next to me. And when I was like, so you ready for a, you know, a day's work, whatever. And there was nobody there, but I promise you there had been someone in that stall because I heard feet moving. I heard a person in there and I, you know, I would hear my name randomly be called through the kitchen. 
And I'm like, uh-huh. what do you want? Because I thought the head chef was yelling for me. Uh-huh. And it's like, mm-hmm. no one's yelling for you. And years later, I, I met several people who had also had very similar experiences with people calling their name. So that place is quite haunted. And I speak from experience. I had one of the waitresses tell me that she was um, rolling silverware. Mm-hmm. And she got up to go to the bathroom. And then when she came back out into the dining room, that all the cabinet doors were wide open and every sink, the water was running and she was there by herself. I absolutely believe that. And yeah, so there's been some pretty crazy stories from that building for sure. Yeah. If it wasn't, I would take, and when I first started doing my haunted pub crawls, I actually went into the tavern and talked about it, but it's definitely more restauranty, not real pubby. So I talk about the history and the hauntings of it when I'm outside Mm -hmm. of the building on my pub crawls, um, rather than inside. Cause then we just go to different places. We go to places that are actual pubs. (laughs) I know I'm stealing the questions here, but I have so many questions because (laughs) I have felt so much energy all around Tulsa, you know, born and raised here. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you know anything about the Mercury Lounge? Because it's one of the the places that every time I go to, it's so heavy in there. Yeah, I kind of feel the same thing. That whole area over there in Boston has a definite different feel to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was actually asked to investigate the bar that's right there on the corner. And I am trying to remember what it was called. And back then it was called something totally different, but the Mm -hmm. owner had gotten in touch with me because he had a, um, Kylie was her name and she was the house DJ. Oh, Kylie Wells. Yeah. Yeah. She's a friend of mine. Uh huh. She mm-hmm. had a ton of experiences there, and he. We, and I've me. actually talked to her about those experiences too. So uh-huh. I did <laughs> yeah. too back then. Yeah, and she yeah. and I and they had me go in there one day when it was before they opened, and I hung out for a little while. Nothing weird ever happened while I was there. And unfortunately, it's hard to investigate clubs because you can't get in there till two or three in the morning. Mm-hmm. By that point, you know you're missing the best time to investigate, which is two and three in the morning. So yeah. Um. Yeah. It's so it's hard to investigate clubs and stuff. You got to do it during the day. And I'm not saying that ghosts aren't around during the day because they sure are. But when you have so much activity outside, you know, cars going by horns, sirens, dogs, barking, people yelling, you know, when you have all those outside stimuli going on, you can totally miss something. That's mm-hmm. why a lot of people mm-hmm. do like to do paranormal research and ghost tours at night when it's quieter because of that reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah less influence from outside i've also heard like the veil is kind of the thinnest at night too like around midnight ish midnight to three and that's when i I, i've worked at several hospitals around oklahoma from wagner to to tulsa and i work night shift so that's around the time (laughs) that you really start feeling stuff happening oh yeah kelly and i used to work together at one of the hospitals here in tulsa Mm -hmm. and we had this rule you didn't leave the unit to go to the bathroom between two and three yeah Yeah. because it was so fucking terrifying do you know how many customers i have that go on my tours that are actually from st john and st francis and nurses (laughs) i get a lot and they're always giving me stories you should do a tour at st francis or st john you should Mm -hmm. do a hospital tour (laughs) right They would never allow that. No, that would be interesting. The Catholic hospital? (laughs) Catholicism is way more open to the afterlife than any other religion. So they would probably be more open to it than anybody. But I had surgery at 
Oklahoma Surgical Hospital. And you know, that used to be Praying Hands ORU. No. Hospital. Oh, yeah. I did not so, know that. And do you know how he got, you know, what had the whole thing with Oral Roberts in that hospital is he claimed he could cure people by <gasps> prayer alone. No. And so many people died. This is a very Crescent Hotel energy. Uh-huh. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And mm-hmm. because of that, so many people died. He had to close up that hospital and <gasps> file bankruptcy. And That's kind of why? Yeah. My mom worked at that hospital. Yeah. She was a nurse at that hospital. That Oral Roberts hospital, you know, saw a lot of death. It was unnecessary and he got sued like crazy. Um, You can look up all that stuff. But when I had my surgery there, now it's Oklahoma Surgical Hospital. There's a bunch of um, doctors that own it. It's a great hospital. I've had, I've had about three surgeries there myself. Mm -hmm. And um, the last time I was in there and that was, I had a tumor removed off of my adrenal gland. One of my friends came to see me and I was telling her, I was like, man, it's weird. I said, because I'll just be laying here and the call button will push by itself. And the nurse will go, can I help you? And I'm like, I didn't push it. And as soon as I said that the call button pushed (laughs) with her right there, I said, see, the nurse was like, can I help you? I said, I didn't push it. And that kept happening over and over and over. And they even brought me a new call button and plugged it in and it kept happening. (laughs) Oh, wow. I said, there's a ghost here that wants to make sure that you're watching over me. (laughs) It's probably my grandma grandma or my grandpa. (laughs) Sorry. They're kind of pushy. They were kind of looking at me like I was insane. I was like, you don't understand, but that's okay. Yeah. You know, I've got, I don't know if this is a question so much as um, I'm okay. So because we work in the hospital, I've heard several stories about the children that visit people before they die. Have you heard anything about this like phenomenon that happens? No supernatural. I've heard several stories. Mm-hmm. Like, so Kelly and I, our old boss, she used to work in the ICU at the hospital that we work at. And she had several patients that would complain about the children in their room. And there weren't any children. Like a little boy or a little girl sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then within a few days, they would pass. Right. Wow. So you never heard anything? I've heard of other, you know, relatives. Like when my mom mm-hmm. passed, she talked about her dad being there and stuff. And I knew it was a matter of days because she kept talking about my pop-ups. So, but yeah, I've never heard about the kids. That's kind of creepy. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's very creepy. Honestly, I just want to talk to you about everything. (laughs) There's so much, Uh, you know, Oklahoma is so full of like, not just history, but haunted history. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what is like the most haunted place you've ever been to? Is it the Gilcrease? Well, there'd be a toss up, I guess, actually, honestly, probably an old abandoned hospital that I was investigating in Guthrie, Oklahoma, back in the early 2000s. Um, We were chased out by footsteps in that building. There was a black mass that would constantly taunt us. I mean, it would be at the end of a hallway going between the hallway and stuff. You know, it would put a very repressive energy on us at times. That particular location they got a bunch of pictures of me with glowing images around me. And we're not talking orbs. We're talking a hand coming out of the door, holding my hand. Oh my gosh. There's something that's glowing next to my elbow as I'm walking into a room. There's also a full bodied, almost full bodied. It's her head, shoulders, and stomach apparition right next to me with her head. That's about I don't know, two inches. I so the uh-huh. it's, they're creepy photos. They're mm. really creepy. And I've never seen anything like those in anywhere on the internet before. Do you think you um, could send them to us? 
Yeah, is I that could. possible? Sure can. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, they, they're a golden glow image uh, and some of it like emits light. So it's very strange to me. I felt very protected. And my mom, before she passed, she said, you know, that was, that was God. That was Jesus. That was angels protecting you because that place mm-hmm. was evil. Yeah. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. mom. Yeah. She's convinced. <laughs> and I've never yeah. seen yeah. anything like it in paranormal pictures before. So I was like, well, maybe it is, you know, yeah. yeah. I mm-hmm. believe divine energy would be bright and gold. And so I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you were to do an investigation anywhere in Tulsa, where would you most want to do an investigation? Um, let me think on that one. I think that the hospitals for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Any of the hospitals, hospitals. Every single one. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah but uh, yeah, that would be next to impossible. I said if, if there was a possibility of any place. I would probably want to investigate like the old El Guapas where the May rooms used to be. Ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That'd be cool. They've, uh, they had experiences there with TVs coming on and mm-hmm. off by themselves and other things. And so did the people in the units adjacent to them have told mm-hmm. me stories. So that building's pretty haunted. I've never been able to investigate it. And that that's where cool the one. chicken place is now, right? Yes. Or, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I agree. Just walking in there, you can feel the energy is kind of thick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, we love El Guapo. That place oh, was so I awesome. I miss it. If you're curious to know, uh, the hospital that we both still work at today, there is a sighting of an old man on one of the floors and a lot of people have seen him. Apparently he was a doctor that used to work there. Mm-hmm. He's a small Asian man and I had an, uh, an experience that was not ghostly, but I'd gotten into the elevator with a small Asian doctor. Oh, wow. And I walked into the back and he was standing in the front and he was very quiet and he didn't say anything to me. And I thought, should I say hi? to this man is he really standing there (laughs) and then he walked off and went on and I was like was it a ghost or was that a real person so um uh, he'd gotten on on that floor that's what kind of like scared me a little bit Mm -hmm. Uh, so there's one of the hospitals that they told me they had to go up to a floor Mm -hmm. and it's totally vacant and I want to say it was at Oklahoma Surgical but they said Mm -hmm. one of the floors it's totally vacant and nobody's up there and people do not like going up there and that they have nothing and they don't they won't open up those beds even if they're full because they've had weird experiences have you guys heard of that no I haven't is it I wonder if it's OSU yeah I don't know I'm thinking that might be it but I don't remember I just remember one of the nurses telling me that one of the floors they won't open the beds even if they're full even during COVID they didn't open the beds because there's something weird that happened on the floor and the administration or whatever won't allow it yes I can't remember I feel like I've heard this before I'm going to ask around and see yeah with you guys being in that industry you could probably find out real quick I work with people that have been to have worked at almost every hospital yeah (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know they get different contracts and stuff like that Mm -hmm. yeah and they move around so um and if you're curious Wagner hospital is so very haunted (laughs) (laughs) yeah i would double check the doors to make sure they were all unlocked like patient rooms and then throughout the night they would lock themselves (laughs) uh water would turn on you'd see shadow figures like not fun (laughs) um so the hospital that we work at i've had several uh co-workers who say that the bathroom doors just slam and there's nobody there and it's happened several times and it's very scary Uh, so yeah. yeah. Um, it's real fun. Cause St. John's actually has a hit cool history. The one there on Utica, mm-hmm. there was a robbery of the hospital 
And the security guard had to kill the robber when they took the face mask off. It was his son. Oh my god! Oh my gosh! And then he killed it's himself. Like Scooby Doo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And I guess he killed himself. He was so distraught over it. So oh, and there was like gosh. that was like back in the twenties or thirties. I can't remember, but I remember hearing that story, thinking that's so crazy because he tried. The guy, the kid, was actually staying in a bed and breakfast that was right around the corner from there that I actually did investigate. Mm-hmm. that some friends of mine owned it's in my first book um, Tulsa's Haunted Memories so but it's not a B&B anymore so mm-hmm. it's a private residence now but that was part of the history I dug up on and I thought that was really interesting yeah that does sound interesting yeah I wouldn't have expected that no, for sure right I know I asked if you could investigate anywhere in Tulsa where would it be but do you have some place out of Tulsa like anywhere in the world where you would love to investigate Oh yeah. There's like 20. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've been to the Myrtle's plantation and had an experience there. I would love to investigate that place. It's in St. Francisville, Louisiana. Uh, I would love to investigate the Whaley house. I actually got a picture of the ghost dog that's there at the Whaley house when I visited. Um, I have two ghost dog pictures, actually. So, um. (laughs) What do dog ghosts represent? Because Kelly and I have both seen a dog ghost. Um, I just think it represents fun, love, playful energy. Mm-hmm. That's what dogs, you know, embody. Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum is another Ooh. one. Ooh. I would absolutely love to investigate. And Alcatraz, I went there oh, yeah. back in February and the energy in that place is intense. I've, oh, I've heard okay. so many stories. I've listened to podcasts and all kinds of stuff about the Alcatraz mm-hmm. prison. Yeah, my boyfriend took me there and to the Winchester Mystery House. That was pretty cool too. I wouldn't oh, mind investigating God. that place. It'd be intense. So That's the one where the, the wife inherits all the money and she... Mm-hmm. Is it the, the, the daughter building? It's like a labyrinth house. Yeah, type. she kept billing mm-hmm. uh, to appease all the ghosts that have been killed by Winchester rifles. She had we people 24-7 around the clock, adding stairs that go to nowhere, doors that go to the outside, just crazy architecture throughout that house it's insane yeah i don't think we've covered it but i've definitely heard lots of stuff about it yeah something about her Um, husband made the gun the bullet that killed all those people was that the same yes yeah i think the winchester sarah winchester Mm -hmm. was the heir of the winchester fortune i don't know if she was the daughter i thought she was the daughter but she might have been the wife i don't remember but the place honestly that i would love to investigate that i would probably literally give up my soul to investigate (laughs) (laughs) and you literally would is um cecil hotel oh my god yeah Yeah. agreed that place just talking about it thinking about it scares me Uh there's so much energy there that's the one where the girl was found in the water tank yes Mm -hmm. right okay and it housed murderers and Mm-hmm. so for years Ramirez wasn't he mm-hmm. one of mm-hmm. them? I went there twice and just mm-hmm. looked around and took pictures of the outside and the energy from there is intense it's the most intense I think I've ever experienced honestly yeah you know um Kelly and I we had gone a few years ago to the Crescent Hotel mm-hmm. uh and we both um, upon walking in we couldn't breathe it was just yeah. the most it was the biggest energy I think I've ever felt in my life mm-hmm. yeah and I was like I don't know how I can stay that here I basement, can't I can't move forward yeah that basement was like breathing water almost yeah. like it was I, to, just... I ran out of there yeah oh yeah. i remember it was, it was so heavy on me it i like my brain i couldn't physically feel that anymore yeah. i was like fight or flight i was uh-huh. out of there uh-huh but the crescent hotel i'd like to go back for sure and because their ghost tour no offense to them is a little hokey 
Yeah. Um, it was. Last time yeah. I went, it was very hokey. I was yeah. like, so disappointed. And I had gotten on the elevator with this woman and she was in full garb. And I was like, are you a ghost? Because I, <laughs> I feel really weird right now. And, just, and I was a little drunk too. We had, we had to hit up the bar before we went. That's the only, only way I would have enough like uh, nerve to to do something that's like where that. we saw that's, that's where we saw some ghost dogs too yeah. did you sure did uh-huh. mm-hmm. awesome we both saw them almost yeah. i think at the same time yeah we like, what is that okay. we both kind of looked at each other and we're like did you did you see what i saw <laughs> <laughs> he's just passing the window he was like hello that's uh and yeah yeah and something grabbed my leg on one of the tours and when it happened i thought you know i'm a little drunk I was like, maybe I just imagined something touching my leg uh-huh. until the man next to me turned around too. And I said, oh shit, here we go. Like I just got grabbed uh-huh. by a ghost. And then my that camera wouldn't work. Intense. Yeah. I have a Nikon, like a really nice camera and it kept stalling. It was like, wow. it wouldn't take a picture of the stairwell. And I was like, all right, we can, we need to move on from, from this space because <laughs> there's something here that doesn't want me to take its photo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then my watch kept speeding up in time. I ended up throwing my watch away because there was no way I was taking that possessed watch home with me. <laughs> I full on took it off and threw it in the wow. trash. It scared me that bad. Yeah, well, that's different. That's yeah, it's not normal behavior. Mm-hmm. No, no. <laughs> the only other place I would probably give my soul for is the island of Povelia. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it or not. No. If not, mm-hmm. definitely look it up. If I look at okay. pictures, I get anxiety. So the island the of the dolls when they hang them from the no, trees. That's in no. Mexico. That's another place I'd probably give. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so mm-hmm. easily giving up my soul here. Right? Um, <laughs> Povelia is an island right outside of Venice, Italy. And in, back in the day when the plague was big, you have to go to that island and stay there for 40 days to make sure you didn't have the plague. And then you could go mm-hmm. on to Venice, right? Yeah. So, of course, eventually someone had the plague. And so they banned them to that island. Next thing you know, anyone that got the plague was banned to that island. So all these people with the plague are on this island and they're all very sick. They're all dying. They throw a doctor in there that thinks he's God and he starts doing lobotomies and all kinds of crazy stuff. Well, then apparently he claims he, he couldn't keep people alive. They were just dying everywhere. There's literal hundreds of bodies that he burned Whoa. because he didn't know what to do with them all because they were dying so quickly. And he then said that he was being haunted by the ghosts of all of the men that are all the people that he killed and that died. And he mm-hmm. actually threw his body off of a the bell tower and killed himself to this day those bodies have never been removed they're still there and uh no one will go to that island i wouldn't either i think ghost adventures are one of those people went and i mean literally Mm. they they stayed i think very little time and ended up leaving you know i (laughs) i have ties to italy because i'm italian my family's Mm. there and i'd ask my aunt terry because i was actually approached by tulsa community college and they wanted me to do a tour in italy with their students and i was like heck yeah. So um, I was actually going to work with TCC and we were going to do this haunted tour with the students and we were actually going to open it up to the public too. And I asked Mant if she could get us a ride there, if we could get this tour going. And she called me back and she said, he said he would drop you off, but he will not stay. Oh, <laughs> and I was wow. like, I'm not going to be left on there by myself, you know, mm-hmm. well, uh-huh. I would be by myself, but I was like, forget it. No, but we did never get that worked out anyway. But yeah, if you haven't looked into that, I highly recommend looking into that. I think that's probably one of the spookiest places on earth. Terry, it's been a delight to have you on our show. It has been fun. You guys have been a blast. Thank you. Yeah. Could you tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you to schedule a ghost tour? They can just go to the website at TulsaSpiritTours.com. Okay. 
we may uh, sign up ourselves. I hope you do. Oh, we definitely <laughs> will be. Yeah. Do you have anything going on for like uh, Halloween energy, like Octoberish? Better get them now though, because they sell <laughs> out. By the time October gets here, I won't have any availability. <laughs> Again, thank you so much for doing thank this you. interview. This has been yeah. awesome. You're an awesome person and <laughs> a Tulsa legend and icon. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> I've just been entranced by your stories. So <laughs> just <laughs> listening intently. I have so many of them. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> we may have to do a part two sometime. Sometime, yeah, absolutely. Give me a call. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Wow, what an awesome interview. She was very knowledgeable, and I really like that about her. Yeah, I could listen to her talk for days. Forever. Uh Uh-huh. Terry, you did such a great job. Thank you for being knowledgeable and awesome. So if you are new to Tulsa or you want want to do something fun, hit up Terry French. Uh, She said in the episode where you can talk to her (laughs) take her advice and uh, sign up for one of her tours. You will not be disappointed. Uh, We're going to sign up too. Yes. Let's make a path. High five. High five. Skew. Thank you guys for listening to another episode. We have actually never interviewed someone before, so this is the first time for us. I was so uh, awkward. <laughs> you know, it was so a really... No, 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 no. Do not apologize for being who you are. I'm awkward too. But you know what? I have this really weird need to fill up space sometimes. So I think that kind of um, the trajectory helped us quite a bit. Uh-huh. Just awkward talking. That's what I do mm-hmm. all the time. You were better than I was. <laughs> Nope. No, no, no. We're not going to compare ourselves. And you want to know why? Because we're both equally as cool, great, and all of the above. Okay. It's hype season. None of this. I'm not good enough because I'm not taking it. And I'm pointing at you again. Anyway, thank you, Terry, for being a badass bitch. And we appreciate you so much. You didn't have to come on this small little podcast, but you did. And we are very grateful for that. The music in this podcast is by the band, The Daddios. This is Kelly. And I'm Arlo. And you're listening to Crazy Hexy Ghoul. We'll see you next time. Is this it? Is this the end? Bye. Mm-hmm.